Welcome to Super Queers, a podcast with Jesse Pierce and Sammy Namir. For you to discover the super queer powers of inspiring queer, trans, non-binary, and LGBTQ plus voices across the country. We're creating change, embracing personal healing, building community, and living with their activism and radical joy. And how you can activate your powers. Join us to learn how we can heal, transform ourselves, and the world around us. Are you ready? Your journey starts right now. Hi, Sammy. Uh, Hi, Daisy. How are you? It's so great to see you. It's great seeing you too. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a little bit tired, but mm. not defined by my feelings today. So yes, yeah. I I was. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see you. My my energy uh, perked up uh, having having this conversation, and I'm excited to talk with you today about mental health things because I know that that's a topic that's super important to us individually. It's something that you and I talk about a lot privately. Uh, in conversation. And I think that uh, it's something that just in general, you know, there's still a stigma around talking about mental health. So we both felt it was important to to bring to the podcast to bring to this platform. And I think that, you know, there's, we have a lot of great things to talk about today. So I'm excited. And I'm, I'm psyched for, for the conversation. Yes, well, thank you, Jesse. And to you listener that is listening or watching us, uh, stay with us because we're going to talk about the importance of mental health for queer community. And don't hang up on us, right? Because <laughs> I feel that sometimes there is so much like love and talk about mental health that it is whitewash or it is just very generic and it has become a little bit of cliche. But we really want to uh, share with you some of the things that we have um, gone through and our journeys with mental health that has really transformed our lives, our relationships, our performance and work, and actually our feelings. My entire life has been impacted by mental health, and so does yours. So there is so much, right? When we talk about mental health, people think only about therapists, and like, we could talk about that and the importance of that, but mental health is so much more and beyond, and there's so many things uh, that we can do. And the first thing that I want to say is that every person, every journey is different, right? So when I share here about, or Jesse or anyone, you hear about, oh my God, I tried this and it was amazing and it helped me, it does not mean that it is for you. However, Sometimes trying for a few hours or for a few days could be for you and then you could see. But the important thing is for you to develop your own journey. I think that my journey with mental health started um, like six years ago before I ran for office. I felt such a vacuum and a depression. I so sad, sadness and an anxiety. And every winter I would go into a deep depression and I went to the doctor and they didn't find anything until two years later, they discovered that I had seasonal affective disorder, meaning winter depression. But coming yeah. from Puerto Rico, I didn't know any, any of that. So uh... it has been a six year journey or more of me getting acquainted with my body and how I experienced that winter depression and then going through a whole journey of discovering things that I could do 
to water and um, to to battle uh, the winter wow. depression. And uh, so I can tell a little bit more about that. But um, I'm what are some of the yeah? What are some of the things that you do? That's so interesting that uh, because you grew up in Puerto Rico and then living in New York, it's just like a whole a whole new battle that that opened up for you. What do you so what do you do in the winter to to battle the seasonal affectiveness disorder? So when I arrived to New York, uh, the first two uh, summers I couldn't move from the bed. I was for weeks in in the bed, and I was this is not normal. So I'm going mm. to the doctor, and they just dismissed it. And I had to do a lot of self advocacy when it comes to my health and Google a lot. So I feel yeah. like doctor already and then googling i discovered that what i might have was seasonal affective disorder based on the symptoms which is uh, a lot of lack of serotonin because the lack of exposure for sun reduces the endorphins that provide the uh, happiness so i was oversleeping sleeping 12 hours in the bed i was overeating I was feeling anxious, uh, depression, feeling very alone, very solitude, crying every day on the winter. It was really like I was dead, basically, walking dead on the on the winter. And so the things that really helped to me first was self-advocacy, like yeah. really learning and understanding my body. So learning about that condition. Second, the things to... Uh, that helped me because I overcame actual winter depression. In the past four years, I have not had winter depression so severe. So I have not the needed to take medication. Yeah. Exercise, keeping an exercise routine is super important. So I try to run three, four, five times per week. I also keep my um, sleep routine, try to sleep eight hours. Um, also good relationships, try to reach out to friends and family. Right. Um, and also my vitamins, like the the vitamin D, right? Uh, yeah. But back then, I really had to go to therapists and uh, psychiatrists. And um, I stopped using uh, antidepressants after the first winter. But in mm -hmm. that moment, it's what I needed the first winter that was really bad. Yeah. And then therapy. So a whole combination of like traditional psychology, medication, and actually uh, more wellness, keeping my mental, spiritual, and physical well-being, my body operating, working well. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, part of me, while you're telling that, I just, I, I didn't know you then, but I wanted to give, you know, mm -hmm. Sammy a hug uh, for, you know, having to go through that. It just sounds like a very dark and, and hard time. Uh, and I think the self-advocacy part is so hard because the, the I don't know when, at least for me, and I don't know if other people experience this too, but going to the doctor and just kind of navigating our health system in general, it can, it can be so intimidating, you know, talking to a doctor and like sharing, sharing your symptoms and how you're feeling. And especially if, if the, you know, health, the medical provider is giving you doubt back. Uh, and so you have to work extra hard just to advocate for yourself. Uh, it's just it's it's so hard and it's it's why places like Cal and Lord for, you know, uh, LGBTQ health are, are so important because that you got dismissed, you know, out of hand. And um, anyway, so I, I appreciate you you sharing because I, I feel like that folks go through that a lot. It's just really hard navigating our health system and, and being um a self-advocate. I think, um, like, I have um, history of mental illness and depression uh, in my family. So it's in the addiction. So it's always something that I'm, I like try to be mindful of in my habits and my, in my lifestyle. Uh, and so 
exercise is one that I totally agree. It's so important to me. I actually played um, competitive sports when I was growing up. Uh, and uh, it's something that when I was younger brought me a lot of confidence, but it was, it was actually something when I was an adult, when I didn't have that kind of organized structure when it came to exercise and physical activity, and I had to relearn that all on my own. It was something I struggled with, especially in my 20s, to kind of like find a routine and something I'm, uh, I'm like getting back into kind of more discipline. I, I, I've been pretty good about exercising, I would say on a regular basis, but it's definitely like a practice uh, and a discipline. And so one that I, I struggle with, but I notice I'm not just physically, but also mentally from a mood perspective, like if, if I haven't worked out. And so it's something that that's really important to me. Um, and I think like one particular activity that I love uh, is riding my bike. I actually used to commute every day into the office when, when um, pre-COVID. And that was something that I really struggled with in COVID and during lockdown uh, is I, I wasn't commuting anymore. And I, I like it really emphasized to me how important it was to my mental health that bike ride, because uh, I would, I would like kind of muse on my problems, or I would just kind of go into a meditative state, and then some answers would come to me and things like that. Um, and so when I when I didn't have when I wasn't commuting into the office anymore, I actually used to ride my bike around the neighborhood, but it still like didn't scratch the same. Oh, I itch. love biking. I feel like I'm flying. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love city bike. I uh, I still bike. Uh, in, in this the city. is not a sponsor ad, by the way. <laughs> we did not get paid for it, but yes. Yeah, but that, yeah. Unfortunately, they have that name. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the um, the thing about like uh, mental health, and I know that you and I talk about this a lot, and I'm sure that other people can relate. But it, it's it's interesting as I've gotten older, like how intertwined it is, and in, in so much of um, of the day of my daily life that I, I really didn't appreciate, uh, I think, when I was younger. And so it's, um, you know, trying to like set intentions, or even just like kind of saying out loud, like, I'm going to go into this situation, or like, kind of like amp myself up, like a, maybe a social engagement, or maybe like some kind of work uh, meeting where I have to present. Um, but it's just, it's, it's so critical and so important. And it, and it can be a real source of struggle, uh, especially within the LGBTQ community. So I, I know it's something that that is, you know, something re really critical for both of us. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I'm glad that you, you know, do all of those things for for your keeping your mental health. And I similarly, my family, there is history of everything, you know, paranoia, yeah. schizophrenia, uh, domestic violence, alcoholism, there's so many things, anxiety, depression, suicides, like, there's everything in my family. And I was like, I need to take care of my mental health, right. But why are Jesse and I talking about this? It's not about our stories. It's also the stories of queer people. We know that over 50% of LGBTQ people struggle with their mental health, particularly LGBTQ youth. And we are seeing the horrific uh, statistics of how a large majority of LGBTQ youth are struggling with anxiety and depression and their mental health. How particularly for transgender youth, uh, over 70% have struggled with their mental health because of gender dysphoria or the oppressive uh, culture and discrimination and how many are facing uh, suicide ideation, anxiety, uh, and, and really lack access to uh, a gender affirming and LGBTQ affirming 
spaces for uh, mental health practitioners and therapists. Um, so it's an epidemic that we're living in the United States. There are hundreds of LGBTQ youth that, um, you know, are struggling with um, their mental health, but also that have committed suicide. Uh, many others have disappeared. And I think, um, you know, we need to come up with a societal way and political uh, answers to this because it's by design that we know that politics and governments have disinvested on uh, universal health care and also has not invested in mental health. Um, so we need to be looking at how do um, we invest in mental health services that are also LGBTQ affirming. And unfortunately, right. it's very expensive. Not everyone have access and there's right. all this very structural racist um, issues about race and gender and income that um, sort of uh, put a roadblock for people to get mental health. I mean, I didn't know anything because in my my culture, Latino culture, Puerto Rican, we, we didn't talk, we didn't go to, many family members refused to go to therapists, right? So I, I, yeah. I myself had a lot of stigma into going and it was not until the very last minute when I was like crying nonstop uh, for days that I decided to go. So we really want to have a conversation about the importance of how can we normalize and uh, prioritize uh, mental health. Why? Because without mental health, there's, you know, everything gets affected. So what I learned after running for office twice, it was how, you know, destabilizing it could be. And that if we want to be create any change in the world, want to change society, I need, I really need to ask that I needed to change myself first. And by change, not that there was something wrong with me, but to make it work better, right? And to be in, in harmony with myself and my mind. And the better that I felt, the less anxiety, the less depression, and the more peace and joy that I was uh, operating from, the better my activism and the better the impact that I was having. So for me, I think that was the biggest lesson after all of these campaigns um, and activism is that to transform society and all of the pro-LGBTQ legislation that we want we need to start our activism by transforming and healing ourselves. And that is the work that I've been doing the past year is to focusing on myself. How do I, more, how I'm more kind? Mm -hmm. How can I be more peaceful? How yeah. can I be more calm? How can I be more forgiving of people? How can I be more loving? And what are the things that I need to, behaviors that I need to change to be more calm, more present, um, more uh, peaceful? And I think that for me, the single number one thing that has helped me going through that and br bring that peace and that self-awareness have been meditation. I think meditation mm -hmm. is the number one, one of the number one techniques and, and mindfulness techniques that uh, will really allow us to become really aware of how we're behaving, what are we thinking, what are our thoughts? And then from yeah. that, we can start sort of changing some of those. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. I, I know it's, um, I, I, I mean, we met running for office. So, uh, although, um, you know, I, I, I didn't run a, a full assembly campaign, which is a much larger ask, but the, I feel like campaigns like really reveal who you are. And sometimes they reveal kind of the worst of who you are. Uh, and it's just like a very stressful environment. And, uh, I think that, similarly and i and i i feel like that this is like one of the key things that you and i you know really connected on is how 
how how much self care and uh, that we needed, um, and to, like to prioritize ourselves uh, in order to and like in order to be in these like very stressful environments and kind of um, put yourself through through the ringer in a way. Uh, and I think um, uh, I so I really appreciate uh, you you sharing all that. I think um, it, it's interesting for me because I've I'm. I've been consistently in therapy now for like over a year and growing up my I, my parents are pretty open about going to couples therapy uh like a couple of times but they but they were never um they never like regularly saw a therapist um and you know as I mentioned like my family as you know struggles with a, a variety of mental health issues and so consistently going to a therapist was a little bit of a hurdle like I personally had to get over uh in terms of kind of this this view that I had of myself as like somebody who was like, you know, functioning or like didn't need the guidance or the coaching. And, and it's just been like this tremendous gift to me. Like, I just, I feel like that I've been able to kind of unpack a lot of things with my therapist over the past year that I, I just, I would never have been able to even like touch on my own. And I, I feel like for me, it's been a journey in terms of um, like being softer and being more gentle uh, with myself and kind of silencing that like very harsh inner critic. Mm. Um, and I like, I personally struggled with a lot of shame uh, from, um, I, I felt like a lot of shame in terms of kind of my, my journey to like first coming out as queer um, and then uh, coming later to like my, my gender identity. And I, I feel like that there was all this time that I kind of wasted or that I lost. Uh, and so I was like very hard on, baby Jesse, uh, am very hard. So it's like a, a progress. And that's something that I've been working to unpack a lot recently. And it's been, it's just made such a difference. Like, I feel like I have so much more confidence and so much more understanding um, of like who, of who I am today. Uh, and, and I, I credit that to kind of the, the more softer or like more healing that I've done for my inner child. And so I feel like a lot of times too, and, and this includes, you know, this conversation and this podcast, um, like when I'm talking and like wanting to share things, I'm, I'm wanting to share it, share it for like baby queer Jesse, who maybe like didn't have the examples, uh, who I know didn't have the examples or people to look to like when it comes to some of these things. And it can feel like really hard and lonely um, and like, you're the only one kind of going through it. And so I just, I really value and like one of the things for, at least for my mental health are these conversations with you, Sammy, and where we can just be so, so open and share. And it just, it means, it, mean, it means a lot to me and it helps. Uh, yeah. It just, I think it helps uh, me like acknowledge it. And then also just be that kind of softer, uh, more gentler person for baby inner child queer Jesse. Mm, we love baby, baby. <laughs> Queer Jesse, uh, I know it's beautiful, baby queer Jesse. I think it's so important what you share, um, and I think uh, all roads lead back to childhood. I think that's been my experience when I've been a couple of months in therapy, but I also have a life coach, um, Suzette Laboy is amazing, my life coach, um, 
I take from both a lot of my mental health. Um, but I think um, it was actually through my life coach that I did the um, baby Sammy exercises of uh, your um, sort of regression and like giving love and compassion back to your inner child. Inner child exercises are so powerful. And I think that I, when I saw for the first time eight, eight year old Sammy, I was so bawling, like devastated, crying so much because I saw the wounded and the pain that's 80 year old Sammy, um, eight year old Sammy was having for the bullying. And I saw Sammy like in the school, like theater, hiding from the other students, um, trying to avoid to be hurt and to be attacked for being gay and, and, and bully. So it was so cathartic, that experience that, and so weird. It was so uncomfortable when, you know, in the exercise, you are asked to see Sammy, your inner child with compassion and like giving it love. I didn't even know how to do that because I did not treat it with compassion and love in a Sammy. And that came, became, that made me a, someone who was very strong, very powerful, very even rude or like, not rude, but like very close and stiff and like not expressing my love and my affection and open or vulnerable. So I deprived myself from, from dates for 10 years. I didn't, was in a relationship. I was not effective with my friends. I didn't reach out to people that I love. I couldn't express or verbalize my love to others, but even to myself, I was being, as you said, that inner critic, harsh criticism and like really self-loathing about who I was and repressing my gender identity, my expression, my love. And doing all those exercises was like, cathartic and like really letting go and like going back and tre- retreating reparenting myself with right. giving the love and the compassion and the affection and the understanding that Sammy needed, needed back then now and it really has impacted the way that now I can see my life and live yeah I um I I can totally I can totally identify I I there's this um uh, like generosity kind of like with the love that I now feel for myself and I'm able to to then extend to my relationships and it and it it made me realize that I I was just operating with such scarcity with myself and so of course that that translated like with the relationships and with the people in my life and so um it just if I feel I feel so so much different now and and, and like more appreciative of the close and key relationships in my life and that I'm I'm almost like a, a different person in terms of kind of opening those things up, you know, first for myself and then for the other people that are that are mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. And why this happened to LGBTQ people? I mean, every person has mental, has a mind. So yeah. um, the mind, the brain controls like 99% of our activities and our health, everything, right? So it's extremely important, but our society, American culture has put so much money, pharmaceuticals, right? And these companies have invested billions of dollars into treating the symptoms with medication and not treating mental health. Because if you treat your mental health, you could avoid really a lot of these conditions, right? So there has not been a lot of emphasis on the mental health. It's been a taboo, right? But I think particularly for LGBTQ, is that we're operating, we're living in a society 
where being LGBTQ is not being seen as the norm. It's not seen lovable, accepted, right? So we are swimming against the current of a society, right? Of a subjective reality where it tells us that there's only two genders, male and female, and that being LGBTQ, being gay, is abnormal, it's wrong, it's a sin, and all of the added horrible meanings that religious people and conservatives and extremists and a lot of homophobic and transphobic people tell that has an impact on our psyche that at some point we start internalizing when when we're kids we don't know how to differentiate and we don't know how to we don't have the tools to deal with that mental health our mental health so we believe that we are not good enough that we're not lovable that we are wrong that we are we're in sin and then we develop those beliefs those habits and those thoughts patterns and we bring them into our adulthood so healing which is a part of mental health right for me the healing process starting as an adulthood is to unlearn and to uncover and to take a sheep away all of those beliefs and, and and lies and you know uh oppression systems that we were raised with so that we can yeah. go back to our innate nature of ha- being loving being peaceful and being essence of being good persons right and right. having peace in our minds where we're not rate our have a mind racing thoughts all the time right and I think meditation yeah. and quieting our mind really bring us back to that state of connecting with who we are beyond the chatter, beyond those thoughts that are so negative and so impactful of our negative and per- prejudicial to our our mental health. Yeah, um, I, I co-sign on everything that you said, and including the experiences growing up. I mean, you might have you might as well just have been I know that, you know, you're sharing a universal experience that, you know, when we're, when we're queer and we're younger, we're constantly trying to hide it or being told that like what we're experiencing isn't normal. And so we're trying to fix ourselves inside and it's exhausting uh, and it's so stressful. And so like part of moving to adulthood, you are just spending so much time unpacking it. So what, you know, it's, it's about finding out what works for you. So whether it's meditation, you know, whether it's, journaling, uh, whether it's uh, meditative exercises, uh, you know, working with the therapist, or, um, you know, finding your community and kind of filling your well, um, from the people that that understand. Uh, But there, there are support groups. I mean, I think that even no matter kind of where you're at, it's important to find that outlet and to understand that you can that you can get there in terms of like accepting who you are and, you know, the, the beautiful queer you inside of you. Uh, and it's something that it's just so, it's just so magical. I mean, it's, it's a constant work in progress. I would say they're like, Oh, look, here I am fully formed. Uh, but I think that the, the work itself is actually also really beautiful. And I think part of the healing and you just reach these like really rich understanding of each other uh, of yourselves. Uh, and so then you're able to have like those really deep relationships too, those connections that are so meaningful because of the work you've been able to do on yourself, on yourself. So, um, yeah. Certainly- and one of the myths, right. I think that not 
extremely important, right? I'm not going to minimize the importance of having a therapist, right? Like that is so key and transformational. Although it's not the only one. There are actually the majority, many things, right? To others, our mental health, there could be fine and do for free, right? There's so many free resources that we could do, right? So while it is extremely challenging, I was spent six months looking for a a LGBTQ affirming therapist. I call dozens of places. I was waiting online, right? In the meantime, there's so many things that we could do to address our mental health that does not require money or even insurance, right? I think we have spoken some of them, but some of those healing techniques and practices that we could employ even daily that does not involve a a cost are meditating. There are many apps. Uh, I do Chopra meditation app daily and it's amazing. And like five, there's a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of, you could Google it, but meditating, you know, you don't need anything, but I, there's a lot of resources out there working out, exercising. If you don't have a gym, right? Like running, it's super important. Um, yoga. There's also, I do it on, at my home sometimes from a YouTube video. Um, so yoga, meditation and uh, working out, it's particularly aerobic exercises like running. And mm-hmm. also the fourth one would be journaling. I think that writing, uh, I was writing this morning and I was crying so much. I started like bawling <laughs> because I was writing about um, the first time that I saw my mother having to stretch the money to raise my sister and I. And so it's yeah. really cathartic to write and put out that through journaling. But there are other ways, creative expression, like whether that's painting or writing a music or playing an instrument, whatever artistic expression, um, we could heal through letting all of those feelings out. There's also the somatic ones, which are like movement, right? Like dancing and like there's somatic, a lot of tappings and like, so there are many ways into like the somatic ways, like dancing or going out for dancing or like very specific um techniques that are about somatic healing and you could google also and like find a lot of youtube videos about that right so here you have and also conversations like they're not very powerful having like uh connecting with friends and family or supportive people that could really lend you a a listen ear it's very important sometimes we uh have fear of being seen fear of being rejected or criticized and we do not share for many years i hold held a lot of these things in myself so being vulnerable right and of course daring greatly vulnerability reading the books of uh, brene brown and really open up ourselves um to um and also reducing social media i think social media is really damaging to our mental health mental health there's a lot of research about this um and we could talk about that in another topics but like really limiting uh, our exposure to social media and also using it for getting positive healing and good mental health uh messages rather than sort of the negative chatter and like the constant yeah. rooms calling yeah uh that one is especially uh important i'm not always the best but i yeah uh, figuring out like what's coming in uh, so that it's not, you know, garbage in, garbage out, I think is really important. Um, what about so you? Me, what's that? What about you? What will you, what will be your one tip? Yeah, I would say, I would say um, my tip would be to try a couple of different things, like whether it's like meditation or journaling and, and try to stick with it for, you know, a certain period of time, but also don't, 
be too hard on yourself if it doesn't work for you. I think it's, um, it's important to kind of going with that softness and gentleness with yourself to maybe try a few different things and see, and see what works. Um, and I think, I guess my ask would be just to, to be easy on yourself as you're kind of navigating the journey. I think, um, I think like I've certainly gone through phases and waves where I'm, you know, doing really well with like maybe the meditation and the exercising. And, um, and then there are other times where I, I need to get back into it because I haven't done it for a while. And so um, I think that's just part of life. Like it's, uh, we all go through phases and it's cyclical. And, um, but I think the, and then having like a really good support system. So whether it's chosen family or friends um but just having people that you can you can rely on i think is is super important so so all of those things totally um well sammy i loved this conversation um i just thought i i i really love i appreciate how how vulnerable you are and and the sharing it um it 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 felt really special to me thank you yes yes and i think you know a message for our listeners is that to have compassion with yourself, as you just said, Jesse, the most important thing is like every person's journey is different. It takes time and healing is not something that you're going to achieve and then you're never going to need to heal again. And that's something that I learned the hard way yeah. after healing from many different things, including losing my election. Then there are other things that keep coming up. Right. So through all of that is having compassion with ourselves. Right. And I think, how do you do that, right? So I have a lot of breathing exercises and really understanding that there's ups and downs and that it's okay. And being with whatever feelings they are and understanding that they're going to pass. So something that I can recommend is like self-help books and spiritual books. And like, I really uh, like the one that I'm reading now that are most impactful is uh, Radical Compassion by Tara Brack. And it's ex- absolutely amazing. And I would recommend for everyone. And if you want to a beginners, Healing 101 for Beginners would be Lighter by June Pueblo. So anyway, there's a lot of also like writings about healing on, on Google, but really uh, to have hope that our community has gone through worse things before. Well, I don't know worse things, right? But very challenging times. But as right. you said, finding community, building community and stay, you know, supporting each other and having being in community. I think that isolation is one of the lead causes of depression. So yeah. how do we break and reach out and make sure that we find that person or, or community that we could be with and like we could share our uh, our lives? Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a, a, a beautiful place to end because I'm, I'm happy to be in community uh, with you, Sammy, and um, with everyone listening out there. And yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for joining us and listening to another episode of Super Queers. Follow us on social media under at the superqueers and share this episode with your circle. Remember, the power is ours and it grows the more we share it. Thank you and see you next time.